The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone, and welcome to ADA Month, which every July I celebrate by having a different leader that had an impact on the show, and today is the day for the person that had the biggest impact, and before I introduce him, I just want to say, you know, we all get a blessing in life. My blessing is that I met him in 1996, and who knew that this person would change my life, but you know what? He's changed millions of people's lives. He is a hero, a champion for all of us living with disabilities. What an honor it is to have Tony Coelho, author of the ADA, former congressman, on the show today. Tony, welcome. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you very much. Thank you for your kind remarks. Appreciate it. Um, Tony, your disability really factored into your passion to see the ADA signed into law. Why was that? Well, Joyce, uh, some of your listeners have heard my story. Um, You know, when I was a uh, young person, I had a uh, pickup truck accident on our dairy farm. Uh, It drove into a ditch and overturned. I hit my head. I was able to get out of the, the truck, but I had a severe headache. Nothing else happened except my dad wasn't pleased that we had totaled the pickup truck. Um, but a year later, I was in the barn milking cows, and um, when I uh, woke up, uh, my brother had carried me into the house. I was on on the bed, and um, a doctor was sitting on me. Um, I always joke that that's the way we practice medicine in small towns in rural California at the time. And I could hear uh, he and my parents talking, and my brother, um, but I couldn't speak. And uh, they were talking about uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, I understand later that my doctor said that I uh, was having seizures um, and may have uh, epilepsy. My parents wouldn't accept that uh, because as... uh, devout Catholics and Portuguese-Americans and so forth, they felt that if you had seizures, uh, it meant you were possessed by the devil. Um, That's a cultural thing in a lot of different communities, still is true today and and communities, so it was nothing particular to my family or uh, to my culture, but it was a common thing, and it's what they believed. They sincerely believed it. I went to three different doctors then went to three different witch doctors. Um, The doctors uh, always told my parents what it was, but never told me. Uh, The witch doctors were unsuccessful 
it was a, a scary experience as a 17-year-old to have people burning oil on your your forehead and on your chest and having candles burn on your chest and uh, prayers in different languages or whatever that I didn't understand. Um, and I finally said I wouldn't do any more witch doctors and I just, uh, they wouldn't take me to any more doctors. And so I continued having seizures, uh, thinking personally that they were passing out spells and not ever hadn't heard the word epilepsy. Um, I thought that that's the way I was going to go through life. Um, so I finished high school and my high school superintendent said, you got to get out of here. And um, uh, so I went to Los Angeles to Loyola University uh, at the time. That's what it was called now, Loyola Marymount University. And uh, I, you know, I, I was very active there, still having seizures. Um, my roommates uh, knew, and, uh, but that it was just passing out spells because that's all I knew. And then uh, Kennedy gets assassinated and decides that I don't want to be a trial lawyer anymore, that I want to do something public service-wise. And ultimately, in my senior year, I decided I wanted to become a Catholic priest. Um, so I entered this seminary. I decided to go in the seminary, and I went for my physical. The doctor, after explaining and doing ex- some exams, um, he said, um, uh, do you have passing out spells uh, or anything, headaches or anything like that? And I said, yeah, for the last six years. He said, um, has anybody ever told you you have epilepsy? I said, no, I don't even know what the word means. So he explained to me what epilepsy was. It was uh, obviously what I had. And he said, um, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you can't serve in Vietnam. This was 1964. The bad news is you can't be a Catholic priest because canon law established in 400 A.D. said that if you have epilepsy, uh, you can't be a priest. Um, well, I you know, was disappointed I couldn't be a priest, but I was more excited about the fact that I knew what my situation was, and he assured me that there was medication that would help me. Um, and so I left his office being very positive. Um, and I uh, called my parents and they immediately said that no son of ours has epilepsy. Uh, what I didn't know is that they were carrying this burden of feeling that, um, that God was targeting a family that had committed a major sin, and not that I had committed the sin, but that I was the, uh, the uh, target uh, for uh, this condition um, so that people knew that my family had committed a major sin. Somebody had. And, you know, we were on a dairy farm, and a lot of it had to do with uh, that type of activity and, and so forth, which I'm not going to explain on a family show. Uh, but my parents then uh, um, uh, rejected it. I realized then some of the things that they had done in my senior year all related to this and Um, The doctor was very good about explaining why my parents uh, had done this. So when they rejected it, um, I knew what was going on. And we sort of ended uh, our relationship, basically. And then I started going to uh, jobs that I had been encouraged to pursue before I announced I was going in the priesthood. I went to these places, checked the applications, uh, and the box that said epilepsy. 
uh, and I never even got a, a visit, uh, never got an interview. And and after a period of time, uh, I realized that there was this huge discrimination uh, taking place. I couldn't get a job, um, and uh, I got a part-time job working in a liquor store, but after I had uh, elderly coming, people coming in with their Social Security checks to pay for booze, and that's what I was doing, I t- walked away from that, and um, I really struggled. And I started drinking myself every day. I was drunk by 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was always drinking on this, uh, I thought it was a mountain, but when you're drunk, you you think it's a mountain, but it was really a hill in Griffith Park, um, and I would be uh, on top drinking and be drunk, and and um, one day something came over me, and and uh, I heard a merry-go-round, and sure enough, there was a merry-go-round at the bottom of this hill, and I saw little kids getting off and on the merry-go-round and laughing and and you know screaming and having fun. Then something came over me and said, you're going to be just like those little kids. You're never going to let anything or anybody ever stop you from pursuing what you want. Um, I stopped drinking. Uh, Felt good. Felt positive about myself. Uh, Two weeks later, uh, two priest friends um, got me an opportunity to live with uh, Bob Hope and his family. Um, I always say that nowadays a lot of you Listeners probably don't know who Bob Hope was, but he was a very famous uh, TV comedian at the time. But I lived with him, became a part of the family, and he basically, after a period of time, uh, I lived with him for a year, lived after a period of time, um, he said to me, he said, Tony, you think you have a ministry and it only can be practiced in a church. A true ministry is practiced in sports, entertainment, business, whatever, in government. But where you belong is in politics. I never thought about it. Wrote a letter to my congressman. I uh, got hired, um, and I worked for him uh, for uh, 13 years, and had still had breakthrough seizures, which I'm 74 today and still have one. Had one about um, 10, 11 days ago. Um, but I, um, ha- I, 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 all of a sudden, I found myself, and I had a boss that, you know, I'd have a seizure and. He would help me and, you know, get back to work when the seizure's over. I was exhausted, but I had somebody who believed in me. And, my God, that was such a great thing. So I would urge him to do things on disabilities. I took his place, and I was determined to help my district, Central California, agriculture and water are the big issues. But I always said to them that my passion would be disabilities. And, um, sure enough, uh, I tried to amend legislation on housing, education, whatever, worked with other people in regards to these amendments, but realized that our basic civil rights weren't there, that uh, people could uh, openly discriminate against us, could openly deny us employment and ask us about our disability, um, could deny you entry into a, a cafeteria a restaurant if you were sight impaired, could deny you access to a movie theater if you were in a wheelchair. Uh, all these things legally they could do, and uh, I just really felt that was wrong, and it really was symbolic of what I'd been through, that you could be discriminated on a job just because you marked the box at epilepsy. Well, first off, I didn't think the box should be there. So part of um, 
uh, I started working on uh, the ADA, and there were others that were working on it as well at the time, people from uh, UC Berkeley and, and that whole area. And uh, I then uh, helped put together the final uh, draft of what I wanted, and Lowell Weicker of uh, Connecticut, Senator Weicker, had a son uh, with a disability, and he was uh, interested in, in co-sponsoring with me, and, and we put in uh, the first legislation. And it was an overwhelming thing, Joyce, in that I had members of Congress and in the House come up to me and say, I got your letter about this bill that you're putting in on disabilities. I don't like the way my wife, my mother, my father, my son, my daughter, my next-door neighbor is treated because of their disability, and I want to be on your bill. And uh, none of them really had ever read it, but they agreed with the principle of what I was saying in my letter. And so that's how I got in, and I, I, I just, um, I'm passionate, uh, and it's my ministry, about making a difference and not to let uh, young people go through what I went through. Um, you know, when you're suicidal, um, you've given up on life. When you're suicidal, uh, everything that you believed in turns against you, you think. And to be able to turn around is um, a very big uh, positive. And with the, whatever came over me, uh, and I'm a devout Christian, but whatever came over me um, changed my life. And I didn't, uh, uh, I've not suffered from depression since then, and I've um, um, been upbeat and positive about making a difference. And so that's what drove me. That's what uh, um, uh, forced me to uh, be passionate then. But, you know, I've been out of Congress over 20 years, uh, over 25 years, and I still have the same drive. I still have the same passion. I still have the ministry of trying to make a difference because... Uh, if you can change one life, I've always believed, uh, then you have a special place. If you can change a million lives, hopefully it'll take care of all the negatives I've done and, and that I'll still have a special place. So that's my passion. That's why. That's why I'm so aggressive in promoting um, um, the rights of those of us with disabilities. Wow. Well, that is quite a story, Tony, and a powerful story. And with that, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be with Tony Quello talking about the presidential race. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high 
high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Tony Coelho. And so you know, we are going to be talking in a little bit about this controversial presidential race. But first, I know we have a couple callers on the line. Donna Stallhut, are you on the line? I am, Joyce. And how are you, Donna? Hi, Tony. I am great today, and I'm so happy to be calling into your show um, to applaud you for having this leader in the field of um, disability rights. Um, There is nobody who is smarter or savvier or more passionate about this than Tony Coelho, and, and he is always in the trenches fighting for those with disabilities. Love you, Donna. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Well, Donna is the CEO, I always say, of Epilepsy of Texas, but Donna has been in this field for a long time fighting the fight for people living with epilepsy. And Donna, I just so highly think of you, and we appreciate you calling in. Thank you both very much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, back-to-back. We have another caller on the line. Peggy, are you on? I'm here, Joyce. Thanks so Hello, much for having me. Hi, Hello. Peggy Beam. How are you? Peggy I'm Beam, good. How are you, Joyce? I am great. Uh, but Thank I you. bet you didn't call to talk to me, huh? <laughs> I always <laughs> want to talk to you, Joyce. But, yeah, I got so excited when I heard Tony was on your show. And then the moment you said you were going to talk about the presidential election, of course, I got extraordinarily excited. Um, and I just wanted to call, and, and of course, uh, you know, Tony, you're one of my personal heroes, as are you, Joyce. So um, I am so concerned about this presidential election and just hope, I'm not jumping the gun here, but I really hope, Tony, that you'll talk about how important um, the presidential election is in terms of the Supreme Court and the number of um, Supreme Court justices that the next president will likely be able to um, nominate to the court and appoint to the court and what impact that might have on things like the ADA and the future of things like the ADA and, and all of those civil rights laws that are so important to us and to folks that are concerned about things like disability rights that are, of course, civil rights. So um, I'm just calling to ask you to please give us some advice on how to make sure people understand the importance of that aspect of the presidential campaign. Thank you, Peggy. I intend to do that. That's nice of you to preempt it. I love it. 
Go. <laughs> okay, Joyce. You know, hey, Peggy. Put the cart before the horse, right? That's all right. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Peggy is the CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. My city, Pittsburgh, and I'm so honored to be on the board, and she is just doing a fabulous, fabulous job, and Peggy, keep listening, because you're going to hear it. Well, thank you so much, Joyce, and thank you, Tony. Thank you both for everything that you do, and and you are both such a huge help to um, folks like me and to the folks that we work with. So I will hang up, and I will listen, because this is such an important issue. So thank you very much. Thank you. And, hey, Tony, that wasn't planned, just so you know. <laughs> but what, what a not. great way to ask you this question, which is, well, first of all, let me say, so our listeners know. Remember I told you I've known Tony since 1996, and that's because, thanks to Tony, who changed my life by getting me on the President's Committee on the Employment of People with Disabilities, and Tony was the chair but I want you to all know he reported directly to President Bill Clinton, uh, so directly that, like, if some agency wasn't hiring people with this, look out, because he's on his way to the White House. He had entree to the Oval Office. He's a friend of the Clinton, so he knows Secretary Clinton also, who, by the way, when I saw her in Pittsburgh, and I mentioned Tony told me what a friend he is. So you know, you know the Clintons, uh, Tony, and you know this year it's a very controversial uh, campaign for President of the United States. So you can share with our listeners what Secretary Clinton is like and why you support her for president. Well, Joyce, thank you very much. But I, I want to start off by saying that I normally wouldn't be on radio talking against anybody. I generally feel that you should talk for somebody. And what I'm going to do is do both today. Um, and what I'm going to do is basically start off from the premise that when somebody is willing to make fun of one of us, then all of us should be concerned. When somebody is willing to uh, exaggerate one's inability to do X uh, because they have a disability. Um, That should impact all of us because that means there's something there in regards to their feelings about uh, those of us with disabilities. So I'll leave that there as a negative. The second thing is I've known Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, as Joyce points out, for uh, close to 30 years. Hillary, when she left law school, uh, she worked for Marion Wright Edelman. And one of the first things she did was dealing with uh, youngsters in schools in the South, uh, kids of color, but kids with disabilities, and making sure that they had the rights to get into school just like anybody else and to be treated uh, uh, correctly just like anybody else. That was her passion then when she first started off. And then when she became First Lady of the state of Arkansas, she continued to work on disabilities issues. When she became uh, the uh, First Lady of the United States, she continued to work on disabilities, the health care bill and other things. And then uh, as uh, the Secretary of State, when she was in the Senate, she was a primary mover in the ADA Amendments Act. And then when she became Secretary of State, she created a position at the State Department dealing 
with disabilities, to have a person dealing with disabilities throughout the globe. Um, and Judy Human has done that uh, since Hillary took over uh, that spot. And so what we have is a person who is totally committed to our needs, our concerns, but just us being uh, alongside everybody else, us being a decision maker uh, like everybody else. Um, she talks about disabilities in all of her speeches. Um, the ads in the from the Clinton campaign talk about disabilities or feature issues on disabilities. So for the first time in the history of any campaign, uh, we are front and center. Uh, We're at the decision-making table. I can tell you that quite bluntly and frankly. We are at the decision-making table for the first time. I will pledge to everybody that we're going to be at the decision-making table in transition, and we're going to be at the decision-making table when Hillary gets into the Oval Office. And why is that important? As Peggy pointed out, um, there is a 4-4 split in the Supreme Court today. There is an opening that the Senate doesn't get done. Um, And so whoever wins this election will be able to put in the ninth person, which will break the 4-4 tie. Why is that important? Let's just go right directly to our issues. Um, In Obamacare, which I like to call it, by the way, um, the Affordable Care Act basically provides something that we in the disability community have wanted for years, and that's pre-existing conditions. All of a sudden, an insurance company cannot discriminate against somebody like me who has epilepsy, which is what the case was before. Um, But now, because of Obamacare, you can't discriminate against somebody with a pre-existing condition, cancer, epilepsy, whatever it might be. And uh, the, the House and Senate Republicans want to repeal. They say it over and over and over again. Uh, Obamacare. They always talk about, well, we would do something with pre-existing conditions. What they will do is take it back where it was before so states make the decisions, insurance companies make the decisions, and you know what that means? We don't get it. So pre-existing conditions, I can go through other things in Obamacare, but let me go right directly to the ADA. Uh, There has now been a, a hearing in the House of Representatives to go after the ADA, repeal parts of it or all of it. There are several senators uh, in the Senate, uh, Senator Cruz, Senator Lee, Senator uh, uh, Paul, who all want to repeal the ADA. And uh, if you get a, a person in the White House who is not supportive of the ADA, you can bet that with the House and Senate being a Republican, and I'll say that without reservation, that we will have one heck of a time stopping a repeal of the ADA. So everything that, you know, I've been through, everything that others have been through uh, will be repealed. But let me even tell you what is even stronger. One of the things that we as a nation have exported worldwide that is a big blessing and a a real change maker is the ADA. ADA is now the law of the land in 52 different countries. 
if we repeal the ADA, I can guarantee you that under the other countries will take that as a leadership issue and it will be repealed in other countries. We still haven't been successful in getting worldwide uh, conditions changed for those of us with disabilities. But this would change it, and it would go backwards instead of forward. So there's so many reasons why this is critical for us. This election is critical for us. We need to understand it, make sure that we understand the consequences of it, and to make sure you register to vote, get out and vote, and make a difference. There's all kinds of ways you can make a difference. There's, you can make small contributions, $5, $10. But what you can do, the most important thing, is to register, is to vote. We as a community have not had a reputation of participating in the political process. We as a community have, people have said, that professionals have said, we don't vote, which is not true, but we don't vote organized-wise. We don't contribute, which to a great extent has been true. Uh, we don't get involved in presidential campaigns or governors or whatever, to a great extent true. But we're changing all that right now. And with Hillary Clinton, we basically are setting up uh, the disability community in a very positive, aggressive way in every area of a political campaign. And I guarantee you that once this is over and Hillary's in the White House, that every presidential campaign, Democrat, Republican, and governors will all, and senators, will all start saying they have to have a disability community involved with their campaign because we've established ourselves as a community. This is a great opportunity. If, if people with disabilities don't understand the significance today and don't take advantage of the opportunity today that we have an advocate that is so strongly for us and we have somebody who makes fun of us, there's no choice for us. And there's every reason for us to get out and make a difference this year. I'm a little passionate, Joyce, on this. No, no, and I, I so agree with you, uh, Tony. As a woman living with epilepsy, but also as the CEO of Vendor Consulting Services, where I'm working every day to find employment for people with disabilities for the past 21 years. Uh, as you know, thanks to you, Tony, and your hard work for 25 years, Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act is finally being enforced, finally affirmative action for people with disabilities, and it is having an impact. I'm having companies call me, federal contractors, of course, that never called me before, and uh, without Secretary Clinton, what do you think would happen there? Well, we started this under Bill Clinton. That's how we started getting the process going. We had to, to the law was there. It's the law since, uh, you know, what, 25, 30 years ago that said that women and people of color and the disabled cannot be discriminated against by federal contractors and subcontractors. The law was passed. Fairly easy to determine uh, who a woman is. It's fairly easy to determine uh, who a person of color is. But there was no definition of disability. So uh, for all these years, uh, nothing was done in regards to that law for people with disabilities. So we then got a, a, a definition of disability approved by the federal agencies. You can imagine how tough that was. 
But then what we did is if it, it, just because we had a definition didn't mean anything because then we had to get the data to show that there were people in disabilities in different parts of the country so federal contractors and subcontractors had no excuse for not hiring people with disabilities. So we had to work with the Census Bureau to ask the question. Then we had to work with the Bureau of Labor Statistics to develop the statistics. And by the time we got all this done, uh, we were uh, in the end of the George W. Bush administration. So when Obama came in, the President Obama was absolutely positive for us. But then we had trouble within uh, the uh, OMB, Office of Management and Budget, and try to hold it up and so forth. And then uh, President Obama, Valerie Jarrett, and Tom Perez as new Secretary of Labor at the time, uh, when we made an impassioned plea, finally said, I don't see why we just don't do that now. And it was implemented immediately. Now, what's the consequences if, if uh, Hillary doesn't get in? The, it's an executive order. So that means the new president of the United States come in January of 2017 can reverse that executive order with just a stroke of the pen. Done. Over. And nothing the Congress anybody else can do. So, again, that is something that it is the experts say that once this thing is really rolling, um, that it will account for 450,000 people with disabilities employed by federal contractors and contractors per year. That's something that we desperately need as a community. Having our civil rights is wonderful, but if we don't have work to be like every other citizen, to be able to provide for our families, to be able to own a home or rent a home, to be able to buy or lease a car, to be able to participate in society like everybody else and go to the grocery store, go to church, go to a friend's house like everybody else. That's what a job provides. And then the thing that's still looming out there that we have to resolve is transportation, making sure that you can get to the job, making sure that uh, you can get to church, that you can get to a a shopping center, and so forth. So there's still a lot of things to do. But if we, if this executive order is reversed and the ADA is, is uh, reviewed and, and amended and, and reversed, just think of the impact that will have on our community, just those few things. That's why it's and, and I have to say to all my listeners, you've got to listen to this. If you don't vote for... Someone, Secretary Clinton, standing up for you, then you're going to be hit like you can't believe. Employment, just employment. You've got to tell everyone you know about this show, and you've got to tell people to listen to this show, because no one knows this better than Tony Quello. No one. I don't. I, it, there isn't anyone I know that knows this like Tony. And Tony, what really, wow, what really impressed me is that no one was ever willing to talk about uh, eliminating subminimum pay. And I heard Secretary Clinton talk about that in one of her speeches, and specifically about ending subminimum pay for people with disabilities. And Joyce, I she's not only done subminimum uh, pay, but she's also a program on Alzheimer's, also a program on autism, and will be doing something on mental health soon. 
um, she's totally committed to changing the circumstances that face those of us with disabilities and all different aspects of, of our daily life. And, and the alternative is not there. Um, and that's what is so interesting to me and is so exciting to me that we can move this ball forward um, with Hillary Clinton in the office. And if she is not there, it not only will roll back, but it could be eliminated. And that's what we as a community need to understand. There's a lot of other reasons to vote for Hillary or even to maybe vote against her. But if you are a person with disabilities, there is every reason to be involved in this campaign and every reason to vote for Hillary. So, I mean, people who are listening to your show, um, all of us are related to disabilities in some way. And it is such a significant election for us. And I just want our community to understand that significance. Uh, Hillary mentions disabilities in practically every speech she makes. Her responses to questions are complete and thorough. She understands it. This is not something she has to learn. This is not something she has to be educated on. This is something that she knows from the bottom of her heart and every capacity she understands this. And that's why it's so. It's just such a huge opportunity. I've been, as as you know, uh, very pro Bill Clinton. I've chaired the Gore campaign. I've been very involved with the Obama Obama administration. But in every one of those cases, we've had to educate. We've had to push. And I'm not being critical because I understand that with most people that is the case. But in this case, we do not have to educate. We do not have to push. All we have to do is to be involved and be there. And she, if, if we're willing to support her, she is willing to support us. And I say that we owe it to her. If she is out there taking on the issues of disability and she's willing to address them openly and aggressively, then we have an obligation to say thank you and to get involved to make sure what she's advocating for us gets into play. And I will say that Tony knows this very well, but him having access to the White House, to have a president that for the first time we are a real protected class group, we're a real group, we're a powerful group, they're seeing it differently, um, it will only improve employment and improve transportation um, when we have someone standing behind us because Tony you know a word from the president is a powerful word is that correct that's right and I think the other thing that I haven't discussed is that those of you in the different states um, there definitely is going to be a push uh, in uh, 2017 and beyond to do something in regards to Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid Um, And if you're a senior or if you are a person with a disability, uh, that's going to come right at us. And so there's, uh, you know, I I could go on and on about the different things that that could happen to our community. And and, um, in Chicago today, uh, the Illinois governor is doing everything to cut back on programs for disabilities. The budget process is killing 
these organizations who help those of us with disabilities. Uh, this is this is not a simple little thing. It is it is something that has caught fire from the other side. Uh, you heard, if you were at the convention last night, um, comments about uh, uh, you need to work for what you get and you shouldn't have your handout. You know, those of us with disabilities would love to work, but we don't have the opportunity to work. We've been denied the opportunity to work. So I'd rather have somebody that is willing to say, we need to make sure that people with disabilities have the same right to be fired because if we have the right to be fired, then we have the right to be hired, and we need that right. So it's a, it's a critical election, and I, I realize that I'm being very aggressive on this, but it, it just means so much to me. I, everything that I'm talking about is something I personally experienced, and I know what it's like to be turned down um, from being a priest. I know what it's like to be turned down from employment. I know what it's like to have your family reject your epilepsy. I know where it took me. And if you've never experienced suicidal tendencies, you don't know what I'm talking about. And to be able to pull yourself out of it, and I did it with the help of people. And when I feel that and I feel it right now that what I went through, I am determined not to let other people go through what I went through. And there's so much of that going on today. Yes, it is. And, uh, Tony, before I move on here for a minute, I saw on uh, Facebook there's that Disability Action uh, Community page for Hillary Clinton, I noticed you were doing something about $1 uh, contribution. Can you explain that? Yes. Joyce, I'm a big advocate. Over the years, I've raised a lot of money for the party. I've raised a lot of money for disability organizations. I, I don't mind asking because all people can do is say no, so I don't mind asking. Um, and so I've done a lot. Of, but what I'm interested in here is, uh, disability dollars for Hillary is basically give a dollar, give $5, give $10. Whatever you can afford or you think you want to give, just give something so that it shows that you're interested or concerned. And the reason for that is that I want to have thousands of people all over the country who are giving small amounts of money. So I'm not asking for $100, $500, or $1,000. If you can afford that and want to do it, that's great. But what I'm really asking for are these small contributions so that we can say to the political hierarchy that we with disabilities are involved everywhere and that we are, can get people to be engaged. We've raised at this point about $590,000. I want to get to a million. I want to be able to tell people all over the country, all the political types, the governors, everybody else, we are a political class now, and you have to deal with it. We're the largest political class if we exercise our opinions, if we ex exercise our vote, if we exercise our involvement. But we have to exercise it, and that's what this is about. So I'm not asking for large contributions. I'm asking for small contributions to get you involved and to let people know that people from all over the country are engaged and involved in the political process. 
So I would, uh, I agree with Tony, and I must urge you, register to vote. Just as Tony said, I know that you know, my listeners, for the past uh, 12 years now, I have never, you know, actually come out and said, I endorse this candidate on my radio show. But I'm telling you, I'm here to endorse Secretary Clinton for president, as Tony is. Am I right, Tony? Yes, Tony. Uh, Yes, uh, Joyce, I'm sorry. Uh, Joyce, uh, you know, I'm Tony Quello, and I'm the author of the ADA. I am totally committed to supporting Hillary Clinton for president. It's a crucial, crucial vote. And I want to reiterate Subminimum pay, uh, Obamacare, you know, I have epilepsy, and the thoughts of children with epilepsy or cancer or other chronic uh, disabilities, but specifically epilepsy, losing coverage, insurance, because pre-existing conditions would no longer be covered, you know, repealing Section 503 of the Rehab Act, moving so far forward. Uh, Tony himself fought the fight for uh, the ADA Amendment Act. And for all I know, that would go back also. Absolutely. Not to mention the Supreme Court judges and just so much, but listen, of everything. How many presidential candidates during their campaign have I heard say when they list all the minority groups and women say, and people with disabilities. She's the first that's done it nonstop. So that should tell you something right from the beginning. And, Tony, you know that, that when President Obama starts saying that, oh, my God, people with disabilities were jumping up for joy because it hadn't been said at all. Right. And now, look at this. No, now we're really... We're really in the game. Joyce, I want to say one thing so your listeners that have heard me for the first time. Um, I'm a devout Catholic, uh, so I don't want people to think that by my comments that that was any commentary in regards to um, my religion. What I did do is that when I was uh, whip in the House of Representatives as a congressman, um, I took a trip uh, with a delegation to the Vatican and spoke to the Pope. Pope John Paul II, and told him my story after reading a very boring pre-approved speech, but told him my story and said at the end that I thought it was unchristian of our church to have uh, this as part of canon law and wish he'd look into it. Um, He didn't respond. Uh, He didn't bless me either when he left. Uh, Didn't respond. Um, but two years later, canon law was changed to permit people with epilepsy to become priests. Um, I, I don't take credit for that. I just know what I did, and I do know it was changed. Um, and the only reason I bring that up is that I think that when we as individuals with epilepsy fight for what we believe in, speak up for what we believe in, we can make a difference. And this is our year to make a difference politically here in the United States. Amen to that, Tony. And uh, I say about this in closing that, you know what? It's one thing if I say this, or anyone you know, 
But Tony Coelho, revered, loved by the disability community, former congressman that's fought the fight for us all these years, author of the ADA, and knows the Clintons personally, take it to the bank. Tony doesn't mess around, and you all know that. He wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it. So I, and I urge you to have other people listen to this show and register to vote. You've got to vote. You've got to get out there. You can't think about it. You have to do it. Uh, and, and again, Tony, as you said, that shows our power, right? Right. I mean, that's the critical thing here is for the first time for us to show our political power. And that means then we're at the decision-making table in a campaign, decision-making table in a transition, and a decision-making table in governing from the White House. That's the goal of this. That is the goal that we want, and we are able right now, the light is there, we're able to take advantage of it if we want to. So that's why it's up to us. Right. And by the way, Tony, don't we actually have a council at the Democratic Convention? Don't we have something special this year that's different? Yes, we've always had a what they call a task force, which sort of was uh, in the corner. And uh, the DNC uh, is setting us up now as a uh, council so that there's uh, the women's council and there's all these different groups. Uh, we are now Disability Council, and we will meet on Monday and Wednesday of the convention for two hours from 12 to 2 to talk about uh, disability issues, uh, uh, where we've been, where we're going, about some issues and, and concerns. Uh, but we're going to be at the end of this convention. The, the, uh, uh, the head of the Democratic National Committee is going to amend the rules to make us a consul. So it'll be official and it'll be something moving forward now that that will always be there. So this, this is a recognition of the party um, as to what we're about and recognition that we're playing a role and a recognition that they want us to continue to play a major role. So very significant. We're very happy with that. Um, I'm chairing that uh, for now. And it's, uh, I think, been very exciting to get people together like we have. Um, on our Facebook page, we have 50,000-plus um, people that are following us on Facebook. We're going to do that during the convention. We urge people to watch our page, uh, Facebook page so that they can participate in the convention. We'll be interviewing uh, delegates on the floor. We'll be monitoring things uh, otherwise, and you can stay up with with us and what is happening by just coming to our Facebook page. Right, and uh, you know, also, Tony is on Twitter, and you can follow him and follow the comments that he's making about this election, you know, on a regular basis, and you can retweet what he has to say. Um, so you go to Facebook or you go to Twitter, uh, follow Tony, follow what he has to say, and he is at, at H-O-N Honorable, at H-O-N Tony Quello, at H-O-N Tony Quello. Make sure you follow him 
on Twitter. Um, and Tony, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for being with us today and giving all of this great insight to uh, Secretary Clinton uh, as president, what it would do for us. Joyce, one, one last comment. Uh, by following on Facebook and on Twitter, it's not about me, but it's about our community. And the more people that we have, as everybody knows, with social media today, it's the number of likes that you have, the number of people you have following, whatever it is that has the impact. So uh, it is me uh, putting that forth at this point, but it's really about the community, and that's where it will be uh, going forward. So I want people to understand that. But, Joyce, it's been a great honor to be on your show as usual. Um, hopefully people uh, will be uh, motivated to make a difference this year. It's a critical one. Um, but I appreciate very, very much you having me on your show. Oh, Tony, we're going to have you back on again in October uh, so that we can talk about, I'm sure many things will happen between now and then, but that is Disability Employment Month. And if we want jobs, we've got to see Hillary Clinton as president. And we end the show with a quote, but guess what? You're also going to hear Secretary Clinton. Here's my quote. Work gives us dignity, said Tony Quello. And I'll talk to you next week. Listen to the secretary. You know, uh, the rights of uh, people with disabilities is something that I care uh, deeply about, and we've got to do much more than we're doing. I tried really hard to get the um, UN-negotiated uh, Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities to pass our Senate, because it's a treaty, and we, we couldn't get it through the Republicans, and it was such a disappointment. Uh, their attitude was, we're not signing on to anything that the UN does, which is kind of strange since air traffic control and postal systems and a lot of other stuff actually have some UN connection. But that's the level of you know, Tea Party mentality that unfortunately we are uh, living with. And so I want us to do much more here at home. I still want to get the convention uh, agreed to. So I think there are a number of things. Specifically with respect to autism, as you know, I've laid out a plan. I'm the only person running for president. I did it in 08. I've done it again this time because we've got to do much more. We have to do much more on research, early intervention, job training, housing, the whole range of uh, benefits and opportunities that need to be available to people on the spectrum. So that's going to be a high priority for me, and I'm glad you're here talking about it. When it comes to jobs, uh, we've got to figure out how we get the minimum wage up and include people with disabilities in the minimum wage. There should not be uh, a tiered wage, and right now there is a tiered wage when it comes to facilities that do provide opportunities but not at a self-sufficient wage that enable people to gain a degree of independence as far as they can go. So I want us to take a hard look at raising the minimum wage and ending the, the tiered minimum wages, whether it's for people with disabilities or uh, the tipped wage, which is a real outrage. If any of you know what the tipped wage is, I see a head nodding in the second row. For those of you who don't, in a lot of states, if you work in a service industry where you can receive tips, like a waitress 
in a hair salon, a bartender or barber, you can legally be paid as little as $2.13 an hour. What is it here? What? $2.35. It's a big improvement from $2.13. Uh, we're really on the upward trajectory here. And so you've got millions of people who are totally dependent on tips that may or may not make up even a minimum wage, let alone beyond. So we've got these differentials in the minimum wage that I would like to see us do away with. When people talk about raising the minimum wage, they don't always talk about the legal, uh, uh, the legal loopholes that we have in it. And I want to get rid of those and I want to get rid of that for people with disabilities too. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.